the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, Thursday, October 5th, 2023. I am Seth Leibson. I've got Bill to my east. I've got David Dahl, my producer, to my north. I've got Miss Terry Semptent of him further north. Any of you can call in at 602-508-0960, We've got a, build, a border wall being built by the Biden administration down to the south. Uh, speaking of directional cardinal points on the compass, we will um, speak more about that in a moment. If you did not know, you would be forgiven for not knowing that this is Banned Books Week. You would be forgiven because there aren't any books being banned. It's kind of like asking how is it the Flintstones can celebrate Christmas. Writing in the New York Times... Matthew Walther writes, quote, walk past any bookstore or library in America this week and you are likely to find a sign exhorting you to read, exhorting you to read a banned book. Which one? I always find myself wondering. A Roman Catholic missal, which was illegal to print or possess in Elizabethan England. Ryan Anderson's critique of the transgender movement when Harry became Sally, which is among the books prohibited from sale on Amazon whose dominance of the book trade rivals that of most censorship regimes throughout history? No, this is not the contraband the bookstores and libraries have in mind. Americans have found themselves subjected to the vague inducement to read a banned book since 1982, when the American Library Association and other groups began promoting Banned Books Week, a cloying festival of liberal self-aggrandizement annually celebrated by publishers and booksellers. Banned Books Week is or should be eminently mockable. Its proponents trade on the moral currency of defiance. See how brave we are, inviting people to read these daring books. But in practice, they are doing the opposite, attempting to reify a consensus. For in zero cases since the advent of Banned Books Week has a local or state ordinance been passed in this country that forbids the sale or general position possession of any of the books in question. They have not been banned in the sense that, say, many of the works of the historian Frank Decoder, the author of Mao's Great Famine, are banned in mainland China. Let me repeat, in zero cases since 1982 has a state or local ordinance banned a book. But there are indeed bans. Bethany Mandel's children's series is not to be found in bookstores, including her local bookstore in the D.C. area. You can't buy Abigail Schreier's books on transgenderism, like irreversible damage in bookstores, and never could, just as you cannot buy, literally cannot buy Ryan Anderson's book on Amazon at all. I was thinking about this as I watched Marianne Williamson speaking with Bill Maher on his podcast recently, and she was complaining of the effort to ban books by the right. And Maher pointed out to her that most of the real banning is by the left. 
She confessed some ignorance on that, and when Bill Maher pointed out such efforts vis-a-vis, say, To Kill a Mockingbird as but one example, she said, oh, really, I didn't realize that. Maher then pointed out another inconsistency of Williamson's. As she was giving her campaign pitch to make colleges and universities universally free, Maher said there are no institutions, these are the inst- there are no institutions worth free thought, debate, and non-banning are more prevalent than at the very institutions, colleges, and universities, where which she wants to cosmologize the subsidization. She had to do a double think and say, well, I need to think about that. So she's against banning, but she wants free university and college education where banning is more prevalent than anywhere else. She does need to think about that, and so do many others. The Washington Times reports on a brand-new poll from the University of Chicago and the AP. Republicans on college campuses see a clear double standard. Just 9% said conservatives can speak their minds on campus, while 58% said liberals have that freedom. They were also slightly less likely than Americans overall to see campuses as respectful and inclusive places for conservatives. Chris Galvin, a Republican who has done construction work on campuses, believes conservative voices are stifled. For while working at Yale University, he was once stopped by a pro-LGBTQ plus activist who asked for his opinion. He said, quote, they asked me how I felt, so I figured I'd tell them. I spoke in a normal tone. I didn't get excited or upset, said Galvin, 58, of Manchester, Connecticut. But it then proceeded with 18 to 20 people swarming who were suddenly very irritated and agitated. It just exploded. He took a lesson from the experience. I learned to be very quiet there, he said. You learn to keep quiet. Exactly a year ago this week, the Arizona Republic had a headline, quote, Arizona book ban is now in effect. What to know about law targeting school reading, close quote. Arizona Arizona had a book banning problem, evidently. Did you know that? We'd become like the crucible of Salem, not the radio company. Did you know your and your children's access to books just became more difficult? Neither did I. In fact, if you go to major bookstores or even just prominent ones, like the one in central Phoenix near several famous high schools and elementary schools, I used to be worried about drug dispensaries near our schools. I'm now worried about bookstores, too, to be honest with you, not because of what they don't have have been banned, but because of what they do have. When I walked in, I immediately recognized the authors of the books all in the welcoming front display. And I recognized them because we talk about them here a lot, almost none positively, Robin DeAngelo, Ibram X. Kendi, Pete Buttigieg. And I thought, okay, wow, they're trying to make a play for a certain audience. Then as I went through the rest of the bookstore, and it's a fairly well-sized bookstore, I realized there was not one single book, not a one, I would want to buy or give to a young person as a gift, especially if they were entering high school. I was looking to buy such. I would not want to give a single book in that bookstore to anyone, except perhaps as a practical joke. I first thought, why isolate 50% to 70% of a customer base? Then I realized that's exactly what they want. They don't want people who don't think we are systematically racist. They want people who don't believe in white privilege or fragility to disappear. They don't think we have any legitimate points of view. They want our thoughts, our ideas, and books simply gone, and only theirs to define the coin of the reading realm. Our views, our authors, our perspectives are unwelcome 
and thus unreadable. So just for fun, while I was there, I went to the children's section, and they had a subsection marked toddlers. Toddlers, so we're speaking children younger than five. We're talking three- and four-year-olds. First book I saw was a children's book teaching the alphabet called A is for Activist. I looked up the author. He's a self-described Marxist. I went to a few pages. For the letter L, what can you imagine the letter L was for these toddlers? LGBTQ. Love who you choose because love is true. Liberate your notions of limited emotions. Now, you may ask what three- or four-year-old, what seven-year-old would even understand those words. I have the same question. It's the wrong question. It's wrong because it's irrelevant. The point is not for kids to learn how to read or comprehend sentences or vocabulary or words. The point is to train and brainwash and propagandize them. One might even say to intellectually and psychologically change them, and the younger the better. My favorite, just because it's so dang easy to see what is going on here, was the letter D in this toddler book. It's a blue donkey with a red elephant. The donkey looks normal. The elephant is angry and wearing a military hat. It says, little d democracy, more than voting you'll agree. Dictators detest it. Donkeys don't get it. Got it? Republicans and elephants who represent them are dictators. Democrats and donkeys who represent them are, well, normal Democrats. You could not be more clear on your effort to cleanse the field of Republican or conservative notions than that or to politicize toddlers' brains. Again, of course, as if three- or four-year-olds understand democracy or Democrat or Republican. They don't. And, of course, that's not the point. But the kernel can be planted. Republican equals dictator. Toddlers. You see, the very hungry caterpillar and where the wild things are and Dr. Seuss, they weren't getting the job done. You know, as was sung in South Pacific, you've got to be taught to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed in your dear little ear. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made and people whose skin is different shades. You've got to be carefully taught from the age of six to seven to eight. Book bans. Book bans. There aren't any unless you're talking about tomes conservatives want to read or that are conservative. We'll be right back. Who can take a nothing day and suddenly make it all seem worthwhile? Well, it's you, girl, and you should know it. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Uh, that's Those are the lyrics. That's, <laughs> no, no you were speaking about yourself. No, I didn't. I wasn't. That was not a... <laughs> it's not a mental health breakdown in public. I was just going along with the song. It's a great song. Um, ha- headlines you never thought you'd see. This is the Washington Post. Biden administration to build new border barriers, citing safety needs. There's three things going on. Are you familiar with the story? I'll just give you the first paragraph. The Biden administration said Thursday that it will bypass environmental and conservation laws for the first time to fast track barrier construction along the southern border citing an acute and immediate need to stop soaring numbers of migrants crossing illegally in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. Now, three things are going on here, maybe four. First of all, Joe Biden is in a hell of a pickle with this and what his administration is doing, which is why he said he had no choice today when asked about it at the White House. He said, quote, I'll answer this from CNN, quote, I'll answer one question on the border wall, the border wall. 
The money was appropriated for the border wall. I tried to get them to reappropriate it, to redirect the money. They didn't, they wouldn't, and in the meantime, there's nothing under the law other than they have to use the money for what was appropriated. I can't stop that. Close quote. Reporter, do you believe the border wall will work? Biden, no. Okay, so he doesn't think it'll work, and he's trying to sell us this line that he had no choice or his administration had no choice because the money was appropriated. The money was appropriated in 2019. He becomes president in 2021. So we have 2021, 2022, and what are we, three quarters or more? Yeah, three quarters of the way done with this year. If that was his concern, that he had no choice but to oppress. So I don't believe him. I don't believe him when he tells me what the weather is outside. But I don't believe him about this either. Second, he and his homeland... Security Director Alejandro Mayorkas need to go outside, get the story straight and come back in the room and give us a unified answer. Because while Biden said it won't work and he was only doing it because he had no choice due to appropriations and impoundment. Here's what Mayorkas said today. Quote, there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent unlawful entries into the United States in the project areas pursuant to sections 102A and 102B of the Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigrant Responsibility Act of 1996. So Biden has said it's being done because there's no choice due to impoundment laws. That's a budgetary term. Mayorkas is saying, no, it's being done because there's an acute and immediate need. His words Biden is saying it won't work. Mayorkas is saying it will work. And then you get door number three. With Karin Jean PR being asked about it today, and she said she didn't know anything about it. You're shaking your head, Mr. Bill. Just another day at the in the Biden White House. The press secretary doesn't know what the, the left hand doesn't know what the far left hand is doing. And then there's yet a third hand, which is left of that which doesn't know that it's awake, or the president, I suppose. I think this is an incredible moment. The president is countermanding, is contradicting his director of home, his uh, secretary of Homeland Security, who gave a different reason and said it will work. Joe Biden gave an opposite reason and said it won't work. And the press secretary knows about none of it. So she says, I don't believe her on anything either. Now, Biden is in a hell of a pickle beyond all this. Because his entire flank, well, start with him saying not one, not, not one foot of wall will be built. Start with that, him saying that during the campaign. But his entire flank is opposed to walls because they are vestiges and redolent of racism. NBC News, Trump's border wall was never just about security. It's, my, it's meant to remind people of Trump's racism. Bloomberg, this isn't a border wall. It's a monument to white supremacy. Politico, Trump's border wall causes significant cultural damage. Cultural damage it causes. Cultural damage. Must be a weak culture that can be damaged so easily by a wall. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that, but I do think that we're playing fast and loose with these psychologizing of normal obvious national security and national sovereignty appurtenances. The legacy of racism, American Immigration Council, 
shameful and unex- unacceptable to construct the wall in Trump's xenophobia, Ilan Omar said. So how does Biden justify it? He says he has no choice. That's a lie. He's had a choice for two point plus years. 2.7 years he's had that choice. His first act, even after the money was appropriated, was to stop all border construction on day one, as he likes to say. The law didn't bother him in 2021, evidently, or all of 2022, or any part of the first, second, or third quarters of 2023. But beyond any of that, beyond any of that, Alejandro Mayorkas said it was being done for an entirely different reason. Again, to quote the Secretary of Homeland Security, because of an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers. And he thinks it will work, as Biden thinks it won't. What does the cop say? What does the cop say to uh, to Janet Lee and Psycho? If it don't gel, it ain't aspic. You know that line, young David? Yeah. He I says it to one. Janet Lee, right, when he pulls her over and the story ain't working? Mm-hmm. Do you know what aspic is? Uh, yes, actually. Have I, you ever I cooked do. with it? Uh, no. I, that is one uh, historical food item that I am fine not having tried. <laughs> you did a great, great Instagram on a gazpacho soup you made, though. Yes, I got that recipe from a colleague of ours here at the radio. Um, what's the if they, people want to see your cooking videos on Instagram? What is it again? Answer the call with doll. That's answer my the call with answer doll. Answer the call with doll. And you brought in the gazpacho soup, and you know what? It dawned on me. I learned something this week. It 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 it, it erases probably five hundred years of culinary frivolity, five hundred years of a culinary lie. You know what I learned this week? There is no difference between salsa and gazpacho. It is the same exact product. We have been living a lie thinking that those things are distinct. (laughs) Salsa is gazpacho soup. Can we take a field trip to figure this out for certain? We'll go to the Iberian Peninsula and have a food tasting trip with Seth and consult it. We can go to my favorite taco place, Rita's. Oh, yeah. And I'll show it to you. All right, I got to take a break. We'll be right back. For sure. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Sorry I came in a little late there. Had a wonderful caller um, offline who wanted uh, – it melts my heart, actually. I'm going to get a little emotional about this. He, um, he wanted to uh, help donate uh, to our anti-drug efforts, to our drug prevention efforts. Uh, folks, uh, check it out at thestopstartshere.org. We've got a really unique and powerful uh, series of unapologetic – uh, drug prevention messaging. I was on the Prager show on Monday talking about it. You can see that at the Prager website as well. But the stop starts here.org. That just just really melts my heart. I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm, <clears throat> I'm moved. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tony. And uh, anyone else is welcome to help out as well. Um, all right. So we have this uh, border issue and the border wall. And it's going to it's going to be a problem for Joe Biden. It's going to be a huge problem for Joe Biden. And the thing is, Mayorkas can talk and can talk eloquently, not necessarily 
accurately, but he can talk eloquently. And he's now on record for having say for having said because he put out the statement today that because of an acute and immediate need, they are constructing physical barriers at the border, at a part of the border in Texas. And Joe Biden, who can't speak eloquently, has said it's not going to work and that's not the reason they're doing it. This is going to be a huge problem. Now, if this were any other administration, this would be headlines all over the country tomorrow. If this were the Trump administration, if it were the Bush administration, if it were the Reagan administration, president contradicts cabinet secretary. Cabinet secretary contradicts president. But there's another element to this as well, an an entirely different element to all of this, which is why is there an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers all of a sudden? We've been talking about this problem for two years. Millions of illegals crossing into the border under Joe Biden, whose first job was to stop construction of the wall of the barrier that Donald Trump had started building. These are these are man-made crises. And the man who's making them's name is Joe Biden and his cabinet and his conjurie of leftists who think public policy isn't what you learn at places like Pepperdine or any other university in the country. Public policy is defined this way. Mr. Bill, you want to know how they teach public policy to the left or this White House? Whatever Trump did, we're going to do the opposite. Even though those things worked, we're going to do this. That's all the Democratic Party and the left has anymore. Can you name me one issue of public policy they have improved? Name me one. I'm open to it. I'm open to the argument. I could name one. It's not a very good one, but I could name one thing they've improved. You know what they've improved? Division. They've improved division in this country. Not something you usually want to celebrate. They've improved division. Where am I going to, buddy? John? John is in Phoenix. Hi, John. Hi there. How are you? I'm good. There's a reason that Joe is going to build back the fence. It's because about three weeks ago he sold all the steel that was laying ground <laughs> right, on right. the border for cents on the dollar. Bet, bet you're wishing they didn't sell it. Well, no, no. But now he's got a contractor that he's going to get a kickback from that's going to sell him back that steel oh, at 100 pennies on the dollar. Oh, and he's going to give that contractor the contract to rebuild the wall. So Joe's going to get a fat kickback. That's how that works. <laughs> oh, jeez. Jeez. You couldn't script this, you know? You just couldn't script no. it. No, that's exactly what's happening, though. I'm trying to think of an example, John. Maybe your memory is better than mine. I, I'm trying to think of an example where the president and his cabinet secretary directly, diametrically opposed one another in public on a major issue on the same day. I cannot think of one I can't either. either. I just can't think of it. Yeah, he's just— The uh, only thing I can think of, there was a little thing—little thing. There was a thing with Biden in Europe on Ukraine, I remember, and he had to be corrected and cleaned up. He had to clean himself up on it. He had to be—he had to— he had to clean up his own statement because it was contrary to what the administra- the rest of his administration was saying and what he had said.
but I don't remember a, a, a cabinet secretary and he being in direct diametrical opposition on a public policy issue. I can't remember where that's ever happened. Well, I think they probably got the same talking points, Mayorkas and Biden did, but then Biden just forgot what the talking points Yeah, were I think you're left. right. I think he just, you know, yeah, he, yeah that's probably what it yeah. was. Yeah, he just wandered off the path. <sighs> yeah, it happens as he was reaching yep. out to shake hands with someone who wasn't there. All right, John. Thank that's, you, sir. God bless you. You're welcome. 602-508-0960. Back in high school, he could throw that speed ball by a boy and make you look like a fool. Or maybe the boy goes there. Welcome back to the... Oh, Mr. Bill's shaking his... You don't like that at all. No on that. No to Bruce. No to the boss. Okay. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson, Liebson Show. 602 508 Zero nine six zero. Uh, young David, you were uh, making a point on the break. I thought you should uh, share with the audience. I sure. Cut you off. We talked about uh, uh, just so the audience knows how this happens. Sometimes David will start making a point to me off air, and I'll say save it for radio, so I don't actually hear the end of the point. I might disagree with it. That's our uh, that's our expression around here. S i f r s i f r. Save it, save for, it radio. for radio. Well, the reason is because if it's rehearsed, it's not good. That's true. Right. That's true. So I, we like to go in fresh. Johnny one take around here. Yeah. 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 Okay, go ahead. Your point. Well, we were talking about cabinet-level uh, secretaries uh, disagreeing with the president. Right. And uh, historically, yes, it has happened. But cabinet-level secretaries in the past have had the uh, gumption, if you will, to resign. The they fortitude. Will, they will the honesty, resign the over an issue. Oh. Have we forgotten uh, the Saturday Night Massacre, Operation Eagle Claw? Those were both. Instances in the past fifty years, uh, they took out Cyrus Vance and Elliot Richardson. Right. Both uh, took off. Right. So Cyrus Vance with Carter. Mm-hmm. The Saturday Night Massacre. That's good. Ma- How do you know about that? How do I know about this? I'm a Richard Nixon maniac. <laughs> so he wanted Nixon wanted. Let me see if I get this right. This is he wanted Archibald Cox, the special prosecutor, fired. And he told the attorney general, you mentioned him, Elliot Richardson, to mm-hmm. fire him. Richardson would not. Richardson would cabinet not. Cabinet-level official. Right. So and falls, resigned. Right. So he resigned instead. The duty would have then fallen to the deputy attorney general, who I believe was Bill Ruckelshaus. And he wouldn't do it and resigned. And then— Later, later Ruckelshaus, I think, became head of EPA or something for Reagan— so then it fell to the Solicitor General, whose name was? Robert Bork. Robert Bork. Yes, and this scarred him 15 years later. And if I'm not mistaken, Elliot Richardson testified on behalf of Bork at his hearings, saying that he has no ill will towards Robert Bork for fulfilling that because they tried to use Robert Bork as a whipping boy on that. Mm-hmm. I have Elliot Richardson's autograph, or did. How about that? Yeah. I got it. I I collected autographs as a kid. Did you know that? I no, keep... you ought to bring them into the office. Well, we'll I don't them. have. I know where they are. They're in a box. They're in a box. But um, I got. You know the... what they say on Indiana Jones? What we have our top men on that. Yeah, we have our top <laughs> men. There used to be a um, a charity called the Senators Cup Tennis Tournament that was run uh, by Hospice of the Valley over at what used to be the John Gardner's Tennis Ranch. It's now the Sanctuary on Camelback Mountain. And my dad would take me, um, A, because it was a tennis 
and I was into tennis, but B, so I could get autographs, and I got a lot of autographs. A lot of senators that played tennis? A lot, and a lot of not. I got Merv Griffin. Wow. Uh, one of the Gabors. I don't remember which one. The one who was his friend. They were hanging out together. Elliot Richardson. Bill Keene, who did Family Circus, drew me a billy with a little bubble that said, Hi, Seth. Oh, that's cool. Alan that's cool. Simpson, senator from Wyoming. John Hines, senator from Pennsylvania. Lowell Weicker. God, I, sh- I got a lot. Anyway, um, sh- glory days. <laughs> yeah, we came in with glory days. Yeah. Okay. My point with all that yes. being to say is that the uh, the cabinet-level officials uh, 50 years ago, if not further, had the fortitude to resign. Yeah, right. The because honesty, the, the president decency. was calling the shots, and they were willing to fall on their swords yep. over an issue. But now I don't think we can do that because the president's not calling the shots. Well, but what's weird, you know, you make a you make a, a second point here too. You're right. They had they had the decency to resign. But what's weird here is why would anyone in a cabinet like this, such as they have now, in Mayorkas's position, let us say, who is so obviously miserably failing on job number one of his administration? And his department. Why would you want to stay? Why would you want to stay where your record is going to be going down in history as the worst secretary of Homeland Security? Or the worst secretary of transportation? Why would you want to be a continuing and ongoing part of an administration that is ruining and sullying its own reputation and your reputation? Don't you want to get out? And go become a professor at the Harvard Kennedy School and join a board before you're totally ridic- ridiculed in, this, in, 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 in your own country? I don't get it. I suppose it doesn't matter is the answer. After all, I'm just freelancing here, but didn't the Harvard Kennedy School hire the worst mayor Chicago ever had? <laughs> yep. Didn't they? What was her name? Lori Lightfoot. Thank you. Lori Lightfoot. She presides over the worst tenure of running a city, perhaps in all of America. It's probably a competition between D.C., Maryland, uh, excuse me, D.C., Baltimore, Oakland, San Francisco, Seattle, and Chicago. But Chicago was a charnel house under her. She leaves office, voted out of office, and gets a job at the Kennedy School. So my point, I guess, in saying this is it doesn't matter. These people don't care because the institutions don't care anymore. As long as you're liberal left, you're fine. As long as the ideology is right, you're fine. What it produces doesn't matter. What it results in doesn't matter. We are not a result-oriented country anymore. We don't care about achievement. We care about showing up and having the right ideology. Hello, Tim. That's what we care about. And that's the unfortunate thing, because the ideology is ineffectuous. It's awful. It's inefficacious. Sorry. It's an awful ideology. And it's awful in and of itself as a theory. And it produces awful results. We wouldn't have to say, make America great again, if it didn't need making great again. We wouldn't have to say it. It's kind of a sad thing to say. If you think about it, it's sad to think that it is the duty of one political party 
to make the country we both swear fealty and loyalty and love to, theoretically, great. It's a sad thing to say we have to do it, but we have to do it because of the ideology of the left. It's not beautiful. One of the worst lies that you will hear, and you probably heard it from a lot of teachers over the years, is that Marxism is beautiful in theory or great in theory. It just doesn't work. It's not true. It doesn't work, and it's not great in theory. I'll be right back. Portions of the show brought to you by our sponsors at Y-Refi. Great, um, great folks over at Y-Refi, locally headquartered here. They offer an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, up to 10.25% rate of return, fixed rate of return. And it's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. This is an investment in a secure, collateralized portfolio. Uh, your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly. There are no fees, no loss of principal or penalty if you need your money back at any time. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm. You can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return with them. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888 YREFI24. 888 YREFI24. Bill is in Apache Junction. Hello, Bill. Hi, sir. I just wanted to comment on uh, the border wall situation. Uh, it's kind of infuriating that uh, the government basically had a garage sale on all the materials there for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Now, it's just, now they're going to build it again? That's insane. Yeah, we, no, we had a caller saying as much earlier. Dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, 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 and, and as far as the... Uh, it's, a, it's like a day at the races with this White House, the old Grouch, uh, the old, old Marx Brothers movie. Yeah. As far as all these uh, secretaries uh, potentially getting positions, um, with the prestigious universities, they will because universities are so left wing. They don't care about what kind of a record they have. You know, as far as they're concerned, they're they're ideal for the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. I mean, power is. Um, how did Henry Kissinger put it, David? It's a great aphrodisiac, I suppose, um, and it's very hard to um, give up these. These, these wonderful jobs, and they are wonderful jobs. They're wonderful, uh, even more wonderful if you do a good job at it. But uh, being a cabinet secretary comes with a lot. That's why you sometimes see people going in. I was amazed. Elaine Chow was in the Bush administration. She was secretary of labor under Bush, I think it was. And then when Trump became president, she became secretary of transportation. I asked a friend of mine, why is she doing this? Why would she go back in? And he said, you have no idea. Once these people get that bug, boy, it's it's there forever. It's just there forever. We've got a really interesting guest coming right up. About an interesting series she's starring in and kicking off, too. If you're a fan of the Second Amendment, which is to say if you're a fan of the Constitution, you're going to really like it. I'll just leave it right there as a tease. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.